Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. Today's episode, I'm so, so excited about this. Um, uh, never met our guest, and that's a first for this very new podcast. But got, thank God for social media because it's one of the reasons I'm going to do and wanted to do this is just to. There's so many people out there with so many great stories that have to be heard, and this one is one of them. So her name is Amanda Gorman. And I read the most vulnerable, courageously brave post that she did. And I think I, I know I ran right to Instant Messenger and said, we need to talk. I, I want you to tell this story. I was curious. I needed to find out more. And I also know that so many of our listeners also need to hear this. Unique, but not unique. We think we're all unique, but you know what? There's so many of us out there in some way, shape, or form. So with that said, I am going to let our guest, Amanda, take it over. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Okay. So we always start with, and this is a good jump. Uh, So tell us about you. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for that gracious introduction. I really appreciate it. Mm. So my name is Amanda Gorman. I live just outside Atlanta, Georgia with my husband and two children. I have a four and a half year old daughter and a two and a half year old son. And I am a recovering marijuana addict. So I'll jump right into my story. Okay, let's go. We're here. Everybody, we're here. Let's go. We are here. I have eight and a half months of sobriety. And Congratulations. That's thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Yes, I'm very proud of myself for the recovery road and the work that I've done to get here. And so to kind of go backwards from mm. that, from that lots lead. Lots to start. Yeah, lots yeah. to start at. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I am sharing my story because like you said, I think that my story is unique, but it's also really mm, not, it's, it's not, not yeah. especially 
in the, just thinking about addiction in general, whether it mm-hmm. to be to a chemical substance, a mind altering mm-hmm. substance, or to a habit that isn't serving you. That's a habit. I'm a smoker. I, I, it yeah. resonates. I know. Yeah. I know. Absolutely. So, and then the other thing though, is that what I have found that I have in common with a lot of other folks that I've met through Marijuana Anonymous is that our stories are so eerily similar of why we we started smoking weed in the first place and then how a, a habit that seemed to just be a habit and seemed mm. to be a, a friend, honestly, kind of turned and actually became a foe and something that did not work for me anymore. So I'll just speak for myself. But I did have to mention Marijuana Anonymous because it's not very well known that I had no I idea. Never heard. It was a thing. I mean, I yeah. thought it was maybe under the umbrella of Narcotics Anonymous or. Sure. Okay, that's good. Yeah. It's good to know that it's out there. It is a separate 12 step program. It is, it is a 12 step program and it is based on the premise of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a 12 step program. And this podcast is not affiliated with Marijuana mm-hmm. Anonymous in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just wanted to be clear. But working that recovery program has changed my life. It absolutely has. So I keep saying, let's go back, but let's go yeah. back, but let's go back. So let's COVID mm-hmm. 2020, it was a interesting year for everyone in some ways good and in some ways bad, a really big adjustment period because I think we all got jolted off the ride That's right. off that hamster wheel of life that we were in, that we were just rushing to the next event or just hurrying up with our lives. And suddenly uh, the track ended and boom, you're home. Yep, exactly. life as we knew it (laughs) was very different. So what happened there? Yes. In my life, to, to intersect with the topic today, I'll go back a little bit further mm-hmm. and then intersect with um, with COVID and the pandemic and how that impacted me and really led me to my bottom. So I started smoking weed when I was in college and was a recreational user. And then things progressed from there until my early 20s when I found myself smoking from morning to night. And I just thought that it was anxiety medication that wasn't prescribed that I was using to self-medicate. And then I met my husband and we got married and we decided that we wanted to have kids. So I thought to myself, well, this is not going to work out to continue this habit. So I was able to stop smoking before I got pregnant and then, you know, stayed sober until I was done breastfeeding my daughter. And then since I was so well behaved, I decided to reward myself mm. <laughs> with a little respite instead of, I, I kind of looked at it as a substitute to my nightly glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And so did that for a couple months and then hit repeat where I w- became sober again to then get ready to get pregnant with my second child. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I did and rinse and repeat. Well, he turned one in November of 2019. And Mm -hmm. I was on the exact same track of, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm done breastfeeding. I'm going to reward myself in the same way I did. All three times smoking. I never smoked. There you go. I breastfed my children. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, at the 
at the end toward like, ah, TikTok. Uh, yeah, I want to have a cigarette. And yeah. yeah, I want to have a cigarette. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, it was, it was a little bit of weed. It was manageable after I had my daughter, after I had my son. But again, this was at the end of 2019. And the plan was to just do the exact same thing with even the idea of potentially getting pregnant for a third time of smoking a little bit, doing life as normal, working, being a mom, all of that. And then the pandemic hit in early 2020. We were had even, my husband and I, we had talked about, you know, not using anymore after in April of mm-hmm. uh, 2020. Well, the pandemic to then bring it full, full circle back to where you had started your question the pandemic gave me the perfect excuse to just abandon my plan because I just kind of said to myself, well, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up to be a Mm. mom to two toddlers in the middle of a global pandemic when they were in school and life was just chugging along exactly how I had orchestrated it and designed it. And Mm -hmm. then it's like the record stopped. Any anxiety issues I had before, I mean, just came in full force. So of course, (laughs) I used my self-medication habit the way that I had always known to use it. And so I started using a little bit more frequently. And what was just a nightly habit. Because you needed it more. Because Because I told myself I needed it more. And I was was self-soothing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it... You know, I was doing the best that I could. And so I started using it, you know, during nap time at 4.20 in the afternoon and uh, during nap time and then a little bit earlier in the day and a little bit earlier in the day Mm. until by summer, by a year ago, I was back to using from the moment that I woke up until I went to bed. And this time, though, unlike my 20s and uh, this time I was a mom Mm -hmm. and changes everything. I mean, it, yeah, I, I couldn't, before I, all I had to be responsible for was me and my job and I was able to, to handle that back in the day. But this time, uh, there was a lot more on the line. So for me, I hit a personal bottom last fall when Mm -hmm. I had continued that habit for months and months. And the thing about marijuana addiction is that it's, very insidious because a lot of people who become addicted, which it's the statistics are it's 9% of users will become addicted. So mm-hmm. 91% of people who use recreational can, yep, it's recreational for them. It's just like having a glass of wine. It's just like mm-hmm. drinking. Most people do not become addicted. 9% of us do. So just wanted to give that caveat that I'm not anti smoking mm-hmm. weed or anything mm-hmm. like that or disparaging right. the general use. But for me, Mm-hmm. I'm an addict. And so the insidious thing about weed is that most people have what's called in recovery a high bottom. So mm-hmm. you're not okay. necessarily losing your job or having, you know, a car accident or you you're know, functioning. Like you're highly functioning, exactly. No pun intended. You're functioning. <laughs> yeah. But and and it's not like it destroys your life in this right. very obvious way. People mm-hmm often even question like, do you really have a problem? Is it even an addiction? Mm. The thing about marijuana addiction is that it's kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts is what we call it. Hmm. I'll explain that a little bit more where 
you just, the, the light in your life just becomes dimmer and dimmer mm. every single day. And you just care about less and your tolerance goes up and you smoke more. And so any parameters that you have set on in your life, they just go out the door because you keep excusing away and excusing away and justifying your use. I'm using the, the, the word your, but really I, sh- I need mm-hmm. to turn it back and just talk about me, but I was speaking in, in general. general. No, no, no. In general. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. But for me, I just slowly stopped caring about everything in my life. And so it wasn't this abrupt all at once, you know, type of thing where it's like, okay, well, my life is destroyed and I need to go to rehab. It was slow over time where I was justifying things. I was kind of kidding myself that this was working for me. And another interesting thing is that I started using primarily for anxiety. And after a while, it actually made my anxiety worse whenever I would use. I would become more anxious. Okay. Very interesting. So basically, and excuse my bluntness, but sure. you almost got to like just the fuck it level. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Complete fuck it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like, I just don't care. I mean, like I cared about the basic things in life. Of course, sure. I cared about my of kids. Course. And, of course. You know, but still I was able to justify, you know, being high around them. And that's not a fun thing for me to admit, but it's important for me to admit because it's my truth. I'm going to own it. And I know that I'm not the only mom out there. And so if there's any other moms that might listen to this, you know, I just want to say it to let you know, you're not alone. I've been there. And if you have any types of feelings about it, I get it. I have totally been there. How much and I, if you want to go into when you yeah. hit your rock bottom and, yeah. and I want to also talk about then the shame mm-hmm. that usually comes with oh, yeah. that personal defeat of, wow, this really sucks. And look what I've done now. Exactly. So what happens? And then how do you start to crawl toward, toward the light? Yeah, absolutely. Again, my anxiety was getting worse, not better. And then I I knew that, but then I didn't have any alternative. I didn't have any other coping skills that I had fostered Mm. to help with the anxiety. So I just kept using the thing, hope you know, acting insane, doing repeating the same behavior over and over, hoping it would kick in. Today's the day, yeah, right. And and it never did. And so I mean, I was not present as a parent as I wanted Mm. to be. I was not present as a wife as I had wanted to be. And as a result, my relationship with my husband was really suffering. My work was suffering. I actually chose to quit my job in September because things were just so unmanageable. Okay. And so then really after just having this weekend of being, I had this long weekend where I was by myself and because it also drove me to just want to become a recluse and just mm-hmm. be by myself all the time. One weekend I, I got my wish and I was just by myself and I hit my bottom where I was just like, I don't even want to do this anymore. On top of that, we're in the middle of the pandemic for COVID-19 and I had developed a horrible cough, yet I was still smoking ah, all the okay. time. 
And I didn't have, I didn't have COVID thankfully, but I mean, I was putting myself in jeopardy if I were in my lungs and my life in jeopardy, if I were to contract it, I wasn't doing myself any favors. And it was just insane to me that I would continue to smoke anything with such a horrible cough. And so to me, that was a huge turning point of like, I have a problem. Like this is a problem. Like this is an addiction. And so one night I just, I I took my last hit and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just, I'm just done with this. And the next six days sucked. Marijuana withdrawal symptoms are real. Insomnia, night sweats, anxiety, Mm. trouble eating because it messes with your appetite. People smoke weed to uh, increase their appetite. So when you stop, um, when you use as much as I was using, it often can decrease your appetite. Mood swings, up and down mood swings, which was not helpful, especially with two toddlers running around in my house. Right. Uh, you have to have a, a pretty, you know, patient, <laughs> even keeled. <laughs> On most good days, go uh, ahead. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. basically there were three toddlers in mm-hmm. the house that week. Thankfully, by the grace of God, in my opinion, by the grace of my higher power, I found Marijuana Anonymous online. I literally just like typed in Marijuana Anonymous, like wondering, is that even a thing? And I found a Zoom meeting that was happening right then right in that then moment. There. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was 7 14 p.m. Eastern time. The meeting had started at seven o'clock my time. I was 15 minutes late when I entered the room. I just entered this this Zoom room of brave women. It was an all women's meeting who were, I just listened that entire meeting and they were all telling my story. Some variation, some version of why I used, why I didn't stop why I was drawn to this, what I was trying to run away from. I mean, they were using it, talking about themselves, but I identified with basically every single story that was told. So that's when you know you're in the right place. I, and I felt so relieved. I was like, why? I wish I had found this earlier. Why? Like, why? You, you wouldn't have been ready earlier, though. Probably not. I, I believe that. I, yeah. I agree with you. I believe everything happens for a reason and you right. have to reach your personal bottom. Nobody Correct. can do that for you. Correct. So, um, so I found these Zoom rooms. I started going to online meetings several times a day and was barely functioning as a mom, but I was barely functioning as a mom before anyways. So at least now I was on the road to recovery. Talking about shame, that was the most shameful part for me was not being the mom that I wanted to be, not being there for my kids. It felt very much like abandoning them Mm -hmm. for what I was doing before. I actually ended up going to rehab. I went to rehab for 18 days and I felt a lot of shame about not being in their life for 18 days for the purpose of going to rehab. So rehab, you go to after you've already, I'll say, detoxed yourself. You've yes. already you've done your withdrawal for the six days of hell, yeah. as you described. You're in some, you, you do attend your meetings. And mm-hmm. then at that point, so what is, I, I yeah. what's the rehab process? What, um, sure. what happens there? Sure. So 
the reason why I chose to go was because I kept going to meetings for five more days, six more days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle every single day. And ultimately, the reason why I decided to go to a residential treatment center, uh, aka rehab, is because when I was smoking weed, I was suppressing all of my feelings, Mm. all of them. And so when I stopped smoking, all of my feelings came back with a vengeance. Still there. Uh Oh, yeah. And they were (laughs) still ready and waiting. Yeah. (laughs) And so in addition to all of the withdrawal symptoms, I was just emotionally dysregulated every Mm -hmm. single day. And I ultimately chose to go there because I was trying to protect my children. Um, I was so moody and irritable. I didn't want to lash out at them or, you know, be short with them, you know, and have them be collateral damage in me continuing to, to detox. Something that's that's little known about marijuana is that it it stays in your system for so long that the detox process can take actually thirty to ninety days. I've heard the thirty. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, as far as like for for testing purposes and things. Sure. But ninety that's that's a long time to really cleanse it out and 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 then again that's just the physical end and the chemistry of it leaving your body, but again. What yeah. what remains? What is what was always there? Exactly tapping you on the shoulder, saying, "Oh, hi, hi, yep. <laughs> still here, right?" And now it's time. And yes, and we are here waiting for mm-hmm. you to deal with all of us us mm-hmm. yes. issues that you were trying to avoid for all those yeah. years, smoking it away. So that is what led me to a residential treatment facility. And so to answer your question, how it works, what kind of happens Mm -hmm. is thankfully I have insurance and was able to find a treatment center that took my insurance. Mm -hmm. I went to a place that was, I went to a place in Tennessee. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, just North of Atlanta, Georgia, and God has a sense of humor. And Uh here's my proof. (laughs) The drive from my door to the doorstep of the rehab facility was four hours and 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. Yep. Uh, yep. I put an, the address in my car. Yet another good sign. Yet another uh-huh. good sign. I laughed. That, yeah. yeah. That, you are supposed to be there and yep. driving in that direction. Mm-hmm. So you must, I, I, and I, just, I don't want to assume, but like when you enter and you realize, okay, haha, I got it, 420. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you must know that it maybe gave you a little more strength and know that yeah. this is the right thing. And oh, yeah, absolutely. There was many. See what, what comes of this. And yeah, it was such a dichotomy of an experience because I so totally did not want to do it. It was like this forbidden thing for me to to take time for myself as a mom to just take the time to only focus on me seemed mm. very selfish and at the same time it also seemed like a courageous thing to do because my idea was I am going to not waste one second of being in this treatment center so that I can get back to my kids and to my husband and be the mom and wife that mm-hmm. they deserve. So it was both. It was horrible and wonderful at the same time. And like in every single sense of the word, having time to myself to just heal and focus on myself 
was wonderful and sure. horrible and at horrible. the same time. Yep. Yeah, you've got to you've got to face it. It all comes yeah. out, and mm-hmm. and you say yeah. it out loud, and oh yeah, then hopefully it gets reframed, and and then your mind's a little clearer yep. to be like, okay, all yeah. right. So my story can change. Yeah. So, you know, we can leave this hundred pound piece of luggage behind because not mine anymore. Right. To leave it behind and also to have tools to handle Mm. whatever remnants are still Mm -hmm. there once Mm -hmm. I go home, if that makes sense. Right. It makes a lot of sense. But even when you said, you know, this is the first time I took time for me. Yeah. So you're not a first-time mother. You have two children and, you know, everything, all of our energy goes in. And so many times as women, uh, we're very, very guilty of, you know, not putting that cliche oxygen mask on us first, which is what you have to do on the airplane. You know, I was so... um curious because I saw that you had the young children and just also like go you for doing it then versus only showing up and maybe you know like oh I can again we're smart we can rationalize everything and eh, you know 75% is still good enough and I'm still a good man I'm gonna over try and I'm gonna be the class mom and I'm gonna Mm -hmm. I'm gonna and you know and then in another 10 years now you're at 40% 40% and nothing. Right. And, and so what do you, what are we really giving our kids when we're yeah. not, or anybody when we're not at a hundred percent? Yeah, I forget who said it and I got it. And I say it all the time and I really have to look it up to say who said it, but I had heard someone say that people only get your overflow. Like your cup mm. has to be full all the time it's me, me, me. And I'm like, it's me, me, me. Yes. It's me, me, me. Yeah. And when I am overflowing, that's what I give to you. I like that. And it's true whether you want to accept it or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, we can, we can, you know, oh, I was away from them for 18 days. The best gift you probably could have ever done. Yeah. I do agree with that now in the Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. No, that was, hard for me to admit, but I just kept taking the step forward. You know, they say one day at a time, it was like one hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And to, to finish, you know, kind of summarizing what it was like at, um, at treatment, you really <laughs> surrender all of your, your autonomy <laughs> and all of the benefits that come with being an adult, you surrender all of that to then have a break from all the responsibilities of being an adult is how I would describe it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there are, there's of course protections in place because, um, from, I couldn't have, I had to like check out my razors to shave my mm. legs in the shower. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the example I'm thinking of right now. Sure, That's protections in place in case anyone is having such mm-hmm. a hard time emotionally regulating that they're having suicidal ideations or anything like that. So it was, very humbling to have someone Mm. go through my belongings and to have to, you know, again, surrender the autonomy of adulthood. Right. Right. It was very humbling, but then it was also very mm, relieving and refreshing to, again, have that time. I felt childlike in, in many different scary ways of like someone's 
watching out for me. Someone's looking at, you know, someone is supervising me, both like they're watching out for me and they're watching over me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and you don't have to make all the decisions and you don't have to plan and you don't. No. So and, they are taking over the heavy lifting. They are. And at the same time, you don't get to decide. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's all both right. and. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's, there's a few more to of those ands. Absolutely. The but whole experience time, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was exactly what I needed to do. But it's, yeah, it's, I can't emphasize the dichotomy enough of it was a gift and it was an obstacle at the exact same moment. Every time. And the other thing that I'll say about residential treatment you live with in the place that I went to, uh, I lived in a house with 11 other women and you have to do chores and you Mm -hmm. cook your own food. And it's like boot camp for adulting is what it is. It's like, let's learn how to adult the correct way without boozing or smoking or, you know, emotional outbursting our way through. And the other thing that I took away from my experience in the residential treatment center is that it was like a sandbox for life. I got to kind of play around with how to navigate frustration, how to navigate joy without having a glass of wine to toast with, how to navigate a disagreement with someone. And if I had a tantrum, which I did okay. uh, <laughs> several times, most people did, I'll be honest. If I had a tantrum, it was less consequential to have that tantrum and see what the consequences were there as opposed to in my real life. Yes, in a, in a controlled environment, exactly. supervised by yep. professionals who went to school for this and studied all of it. Exactly. So almost like, you know, you were in a place where there was the instruction book and yeah. they can guide you to, yeah. oh, when this troubleshooting, when this happens, yeah. you know, unplug the device and plug it back in again. Exactly. Yep. I mean, yeah, it was adulting 101. It was mm-hmm. emotion, process your emotions 101, which mm-hmm. I, in my previous 33 years, I'm 34 now, never learned how to process emotions or that that was a thing that I was supposed to do. Support from the family? What's happening there? Did you have that? Was this a revelation to friends and family? Yeah. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was, I am very, very fortunate to be so, to have been so well supported Mm. by my husband, by Mm -hmm. my parents, by Mm -hmm. my husband's parents, Mm -hmm. and by close friends that I chose to tell before I went. Mm -hmm. And then- Afterwards, for other people that I have shared this with, uh, I am really thankful for the majority positive response that I've had. And it was definitely um, a revelation for those people close to me and around me. And it was kind of a a, a new starting point um, in my relationship with my husband as well of just how to, you know, move forward and leave that baggage behind that I was healing from. And so it was hard work, but it was totally worth it. And I got a lot out of it. How long have you been married? Seven and a half years. So A, I'm much older than you. And I am married 37 years. I just turned 60. But it sounds to me 
I'll say for having a lot more turns around the sun than you, you had obviously this major growth period, short amount of time. Is it, you know, ideal? I don't think you would have really wanted it that way, but I think you're, you're so clear now where you are that maybe it was the only way it had to be for you to be right now who you are and who you've emerged as. I completely agree with that statement. Yeah. 100%. So tell me more about, you're a podcast host. Yes. Yes, I am. Talk to me. Yeah. So I (laughs) I started, I'm laughing because I started my podcast called Finding Your Village in February of 2020. So right before the oh, pandemic started. <laughs> wow, so many things. So many things. And it huh. felt so strange and hypocritical at times to be hosting a podcast. It was about parenting. I have never positioned myself as an expert. I positioned myself as another mom going sure. through these early uh, parenting days, but it still felt hypocritical mm. that I was like talking about parenting to other people almost as an authority figure, even though that's not the posture that I take. It's And it's not as an authority figure. It's as you're the one who chose to get a microphone and hit yes. record. Yes. That's, that's a better way to it. Put doesn't it doesn't make you any different and it, it doesn't, doesn't give you like 10 extra mom points. Not in, at all. In, you know, the game of mom. You just chose all. to verb. You could have typed the blog. Right. You could have started a Facebook group. Yeah. You know, in 20, you know, by, or maybe back in the day there, you start that mommy and me thing when there were still things that you could do in person, but you just chose to get the microphone. That's right. Yeah. That's that's a great way to put it. Yeah. That's, that's it. But again, the hypocritical because of your secret. Exactly. Because Because it was a secret. Yep. And that also goes back to what you had mentioned about shame. Shame was definitely Mm. part of my experience. And one of the huge things that I learned throughout this whole journey is shame resilience. And so now I no longer (laughs) hold on to... I like that word. Just give me a minute because it speaks speaks my language. I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. Well, I have to give uh, credit to Brene Brown. She is like my Mm, favorite mm -hmm, mm -hmm. adult ever. And, and so I did a lot of her, you know, reading her books, rereading books I'd already read by her and she really emphasizes shame resilience. And so now I have adopted this mentality that she framed in general and, uh, I say for me, but it, she did it in general, that the difference between shame and guilt is that shame says I am bad and guilt says I did something bad. And so now mm. I choose to live my life in hopes of being shame resilient, resilient towards shame and being accountable and owning my behaviors and actions. And so I feel guilt, but I've been able to let go of the shame, thankfully. And that has been a really important part of my recovery as well. It's so important because it can be paralyzing. And yeah. it's st- and it, and again, it just it stymies growth. It's because it I'll always stay here in this. Well, oh yeah, then there's that, and I can't. 
Oh, if only they, and then the seat, and if, if anyone knew or like, again, you're never at, you can never be that hundred percent because you're, what, what face am I going to show today? Exactly. If that yep. makes any sense. It so does. tell me more about the podcast. Like what was the thought process behind it? And, and I'll say message, you know, what do yeah. you, um, your audience tell me? Yeah, thank you. So when I was seven months pregnant with my second child, with my son Cooper, I was sitting in the bath one day listening to a podcast and I just had this thought like enter my brain that was like, why don't you start a podcast? Mm. And at first I was like, that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> Who would listen? Who, my, Who am I? Made, who am I to think? Mm-hmm. Yep, that exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So the podcast is all about birth, postpartum, and parent mental health. Mm-hmm. That is the focus of the show. And my goal for the show now, after this journey that I've been on since 2018, mm-hmm. when I originally had the idea, the goal of the show is to make the early days of parenting more connected. That is, again, is just music to my ears because you travel into this unknown and <laughs> and I think once you get past the, oh my God, they let us take this baby home from the hospital. What were they even thinking to, okay, I guess we can do it. And then you go back and say, well, this one's still okay. Let's have another. Right. <laughs> yes. And then you just, and then you can keep going and yeah, you, and you're just doing the best that you can each and every day. Some days, gold star days. Yeah. Fantastic. Other days, no star days. Right. Epic exactly. fails. Right. Hope that the next day gets better. Exactly. Because the journey is so full of the unknown and we were never meant to do it the way that a lot of us are doing it now, which is mm. alone, uh, especially mm. in a pandemic and isolation. Sure. We were meant to parent in a village. It, you know, The old proverb goes, it takes a village to raise a child. And so that was the inspiration Absolutely. for naming the mm-hmm. podcast. And really where it came from was I thought to myself, well, gosh, I've garnered all of these resources over the years that have helped me along my journey that might not look like the old village model, but it's my own version of right. a village that I have found through friends and family, through mm-hmm. podcasts, through mm-hmm. books, through people who provide services that I can hire, like a sleep consultant, a lactation consultant, to help when bumps in the road come along that I had no idea were even a thing, right. like at all in my I whole had none, life. I had none of the above. I had, I think I had one book that was called What to Expect in yeah. the First 12 Months. Was it uh-huh. Dr. Burton White, perhaps? And I would read it every month, like, okay, the first 30 days, yeah. okay, this is what I should see. Great. And then I would wait. Okay, she's two months old now. This is right. what one book. Yeah, one book. Uh, she'll be thirty-five this year, but one book. That's all. That you know. It's that's what we had. And yeah, yeah it's a It's the scariest thing. It, it is. You just don't know, and especially when there and there were so many issues. Uh, friends of ours just had twins, and it turns out that they're both 
cow milk intolerant or something. Oh, and yeah. have to get the special formula. Mm -hmm. And it was a tough two and a half weeks to figure it out. Oh, yes. And I'm like, what are the odds? Like, if we never had that, I guess, back then. And I feel so old when I say that. <laughs> but it's now not unusual yeah. for all of these problems. And I guess it's the food source, a whole other topic, sure. a whole other podcast, but exactly. it's so much to consider. It, it really is. And so that was the reason why I started the show, because I love talking about those things with other moms, with anybody that would give me time of day. So I thought, well, I might as well seek out people to have a conversation with me about it and record it. Mm -hmm. and share any insights that I had learned along the way. And then on my journey that lets me know that this was all very, very much meant to be, last summer I was going through, <laughs> obviously, a crisis of the pandemic, of being an addiction, of, of all these things, and so was not loving where I was professionally, I had a great job, but I just wasn't in love mm -hmm. anymore. And I had loved talking about birth and I was just obsessed with talking about birth to anyone who I could get my ears on. <laughs> did you have, you had two good experiences? I did. Well, I had two, I mean, I had two, I had a very challenging experience mm -hmm. and then I had a fantastic experience. Mm -hmm. And I just was fascinated by, mm. you know, I call it the most common miracle in the world. How we reproduce is a yeah. miracle. It uh, is. It's, it's just, common, it's, but it's a miracle. Yeah. It's such a miracle. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally exactly. agree. So I then took a big leap of faith and signed up to become a childbirth educator to get certified to teach birthing from within classes. And that is the course that I took. Uh, before I had my second baby. And I started this coursework, but was in no shape or mental, you know, capability to take this class and do this work. So I knew something was telling me, you know, this is a passion of yours and you need to pursue it, but there's other things you need to attend to first before you can keep going in that mm. journey. So thankfully, I was able to start that journey and put it on pause while I yeah. healed myself. While you attended to your to exactly. the matter yep. at hand, sure. Yep, and had a very supportive community of women and people around me in that group that I have been honest with about my journey ever since really the start of, of this mm -hmm. year when I was ready to start talking about it and processing mm -hmm. it more. And I then was able to resume my studies around the first of this year, around Christmas, is when I was really able to dive into the material. And I just became certified as a ah, childbirth educator. Congratulations. Thank Excellent. You. Thank you. So then who is who are your clients? Pregnant and I seek yes. you out? Okay. Yes, expecting people, birthing people that are expecting it could be their first baby, it could be second, third, fourth, you know, if if you are interested in preparing for a birth experience that will prepare you for the unknowns that come up mm. during labor and birth. If you are interested in practicing any type of exercises that help you kind of figure out what you do when you don't know what to do. Ah. Okay. That is That's what this smart. 
birth classes for. Yeah. I am all on board with all of the philosophies of birthing from within, which is why I just kept coming back for more. And, and here I am today, but it was quite clear to me that to do this, to give this podcast the energy that it deserved, Mm. because this topic is so important to do the work that I was called to do. I truly feel that this is my calling. I had to attend to my own healing and healing my own inner child first. And now I am relaunching. Now now watch out. Now watch (laughs) out because now you're ready. I am ready. Oh my God. I love, love this story. I'm so, so glad to, that you shared it with us. I want, okay. So podcast, website, where are we finding you on social, all of the above? Absolutely. Thank you. So the podcast is called Finding Your Village. My website is findingyourvillage.com. And on Instagram is where I spend most of my social media time and energy. And I'm at Finding Your Village. Well, doesn't get much easier than that. I thank you again. Those words jumped off the screen when I read, when I just, your rawness and your truth was, again, so brave that I'm like, I need to talk to, and again, like random stranger, I need to talk to you, you know, stalker on uh, on Messenger. But I'm, I really appreciate that we took this time. I think that there'll be probably more to come as we see how else you're going to take on this world. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to allow me to share my story with your listeners. And thank you for hearing my story Mm. with kindness and compassion. I really appreciate it. You're not the only one. And I think that you will help so many people out there. They'll feel a little validated. And perhaps if they need that nudge to come out of their little denial place, it might just be, again, a first step for others. That would be a wonderful dream. Indeed. Thank you. And thank, thank you, you so again, much. Amanda. So, oh my goodness, I'm so, oh, this was so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And as always, you can find us on Apple, on Spotify, anywhere you listen to your pods, comments. I know we're going to have some. Let's, let's start this dialogue. Go to the website, joyfoundhere.com. And until the next time, we're all, all trying our best. Not every day will be a gold star. As long as we try, do it with a smile. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.